Well, um, if you're new to Vintage, welcome. I'm glad you're here. My name's Scott Crawford. I'm the discipleship pastor, and uh, Steve and Rand will be back uh, next week, and so you'll get to see them up here. And, and you know, as, as the guy preaching today, I have to be sure that we get everything right in, in truth. And, and Elizabeth made a mistake when she was giving announcements, and, and she said that the people in the back, if you're new, that, you know, they want to welcome you. They won't be weird. And I'm sorry, but Pat McKay was back there. <laughs> And, you know, y'all can pray for Joni, but Pat was back there and he's just a little weird. So let's just let's just get that out of the way. And he might be a little weird, but that's loving on Pat. And that's kind of who we are. And um, and we're here to be community. And so if you were here last week, you heard about being spiritual family and and we try to be spiritual family for Pat. You know, God help him. He needs all the help he can get. So um, so welcome to this uh, series that we're in. where We're talking about the journey and uh, God has each of us on a journey and. And and today, you know, I don't know if you if how many of you read our little newsletter or whatever, but today we're talking about a, a really interesting topic, you know, that I picked myself and I'm kind of like head scratcher. But we're talking about death, right? Mm. That's a great, fun topic to dive into. Like, right. Everybody's looking forward to that. We're excited. Like, woo! I can't believe that we have empty chairs here because we're talking about death today. And you know what? We love thinking and talking about deaths because it's waiting every one of us. Every single one of us are going to die. The question is, are every single one of us really going to live? Are every single one of us going to live? In order to be able to recognize and to be able to to step into the reality of that life that that Christ has in store for us, he says in John 10, 10, I came so that you might have life and have it in abundance. What does it take to step into this life? And so we're going to look at a few a few passages this morning. The first is in in Luke chapter nine. Uh, it's a story that's told in in the Gospels. We're going to look at Luke's telling of the story. Luke chapter nine. I'm going to read verse twenty three through twenty five. Now, in, in setting this up, and we kind of see this more specifically in Mark's telling of the story, but. But Jesus is with the disciples, and he's just had this moment. He's near Caesarea Philippi, and he's just had this moment where he asks the disciples, who do you say, who do, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up, right? Many of you are familiar with the story. He says, you're the Christ, right? And, you know, a moment later, he rebukes him. And then, you know, just after that, he, he goes and kind of predicts his death and says that he's going to suffer many things. He's going to be rejected by the elders, and, and he's going to be killed. And on the third day, he's going to be raised from the dead. And, and they're like, the, the disciples are just... Scratching their head, he's talking to them, and but there's a crowd that has been following him for days, and and, there, and so then as we kind of see in Mark, he stands up and he gets the crowd's attention, and this is where he picks up as he gets the crowd's attention. He says, "Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it." What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the instructions that you give us. Thank you for the teachings that are laid out. Thank you for a life that you came to give us in abundance. And I pray right now that you just uh, open our ears and our minds and our heart to, to see you in a whole new way in the next few moments. We ask Simply for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, for everybody who wants to come and follow me, then 
die to yourself, deny yourself, right? This, this, this reality of this life that we've been called to is, is that there's something so much more than the life that we were necessarily born into, that, that Christ has come to redeem this relationship that we have and can have with the Father that ultimately mankind was created for, but because of the nature of sin, was lost. You see, in the, there, there's this great four-letter word in the kingdom, and it's, it's the four-letter word that should stand out above all four-letter words. Like, you know, with all four-letter words, like if you remember back to, and I do, the first time I heard a four-letter word and I had to ask, you know, what that meant, right, as a little kid. You, probably, you may remember that moment for, for you, but I, I remember it distinctly, and I had to talk to my parents and ask, what is this? And they kind of blushed a little bit, and then they explained it and said, we don't use that word, right? And, and, and four-letter words, you know, the more you hear them, the, the more they kind of start to lose their, um, their, their harshness, right? Their, their evilness, that you just kind of grow numb to them. And, and I think this four-letter word is so common, if not off our lips, then definitely in our mind, that we just are oblivious to it. It is the greatest of the four-letter words in itself. And we should imagine it. Much darker, much bigger than the F word or the S word or the whatever word you can, you know, comes to mind when you think of four-letter words. The, the self word for a Christian should stand out as, oh, this is atrocious. Because with this word, is, there is death. With this word, there is eternal separation. With this word, apart from, from learning how to embrace the reality of what this word means for me as a Christian, there is just turmoil and chaos and frustration and, and a death that is waiting. And just as death is a very difficult thing to, to discuss and a, and a sensitive topic for every one of us that has lost someone, there, is, there are two deaths that we have to recognize as a Christian. There, there, there's, there are two deaths. There's the death that is going to happen to each of us physically, and it's coming at some point. It's just a reality of, of the life that we live in. But the death that is the opportunity is the death that we embrace and the death that we choose. The death that we're embracing to die to this four-letter word, this self. You see, back in the garden, back all the way in the beginning, when Adam and Eve you know, were created and they were in the garden and there was this tree of knowledge of good and evil. The serpent comes to Eve and you know the story. And what does he do? He entices her by speaking to this inner self that she had and said, if you want to be like God, like without God's help, if you want to become like him, then he's he's speaking to this self nature that was able to be tempted and able to be given into. And so he lures her into this life of sin by taking the the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eating from it, the very thing that God said don't do. And she selfishly chose to become like God in an order different than how God intended, how God desired. And you know the story. Since that moment, we have all been born into a nature of sin. So it is, it is not necessarily your fault. It is absolutely your nature and my nature to think and to process and to imagine self as the filter that everything in our world evolves around. Do I think that this thing's right? Then I consult myself. Well, what, what's my perspective on that? You know, do I think that this tastes good? Do I think that I like this or do I like that? Like, that was not our nature originally. 
It was not our nature to have to be the judge and jury and examiner of what is good and what is evil in the world. That nature is something we were now born into and it has become our nature, but it was not God's intention. You see, God's intention was he created us to come to him as the source, as the focus, as the center of everything. And he was the one who dictated what was good and what was evil. And he set this thing aside, this knowledge of tree and uh, this knowledge of, of good and evil aside for them not to partake in. But that self became tempted and gave in. You see, this biblical view of self is what we're speaking of this morning. And self was what the serpent appealed to. The self became the switchboard, the default, the center point, the headquarters, the heart of all reasoning and action. And you and I were born into it. The switchboard of our lives that we were born into is to ask ourselves, what do we think? And then to plug things into place. The headquarters that we consult when we imagine things is, well, what do I think about this? Or what, what, do, what do we imagine about this to be? Or, or what do I want for this in the moment? And just as Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. He also said that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that temptation that he made to Eve in the garden was this temptation that self bit into and we suffer from and Jesus came to redeem. And his redemption is in this passage that we just read. He said, if you want to come and follow me, then you must deny self. You must deny self. That means who's the responsible party in that? Me. There's a me in this passage. And there's an action that me, the self that I am, chooses in this daily opportunity to Put down this nature that I was born into, but thank God that he didn't just leave it at that. That life is not about death. You see, everything in the kingdom of God, everything in Christ's kingdom is represented in that cross. And he's not still hanging on that cross because he died and he is now resurrected. Everything in the kingdom and everything in Christ's kingdom, death is about a life. Death is about birth. Death is, a, is, death is a necessary thing in order for a life to take place. He talks about it in simple ways like a seed. Unless a, a seed falls to the, to the ground and dies, then it, then it can spring forth and, and, and bear forth a bushel of harvest, right? But unless it's willing to die, I mean, it's, this death language is riddled through Scripture and specifically the New Testament. Paul embraces it in almost every one of his letters. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. You see, there is this dual nature when we become a Christian and we receive the Spirit of God. Suddenly there is a conflict that has entered into your life. Because you... We're born into this nature for you to be the examining factor of what is good and what is evil. And it's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of, you know, imagining that we're under. But when we become a Christian and we have the spirit of God, suddenly there is a second person alive with inside of us. And this second person creates this dual nature that before we were Christ, we may have received conviction or we have may, may have may have felt shame or guilt over something that we did that we knew was wrong because the Holy Spirit was pressing at us from a distance saying, mm, there's something more I have in store for you. 
And I'm preparing you. I'm, I'm allowing you to feel the weight of that bad choice that, that I'm not in agreement with. But, but there becomes a moment when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. That at that moment, as you see in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, you know, unless you have the Spirit of God, you do not, do not belong to Christ. So there's that moment where the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, and He gives us this ability. Again, read Romans chapter 8. This, this ability to cry out, Abba, Father. There is a person, if you are a Christian and receive the Spirit, there is a person. We call Him the Holy Spirit. The very same Spirit that was in Jesus Christ. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that possesses your life. You are possessed by a Spirit. And he's the spirit of life. That spirit will never die. And he, uh, he connects himself with your very soul where you can live for eternity because now you, the, the death penalty for sin has been paid for. And you can live for eternity. And that spirit is going to take you with him into eternity. But to eternity, just as I grew up kind of hearing about it and, and why you would become a Christian, you want to become a Christian so that when you die, you get to go to heaven and have eternity with God. And if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me say this probably because I'm I'm really focused on having Christians that I get to help minister to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that when you go to heaven, when, when you accept him as Lord and Savior, when you die, you get to go to heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ is when you accept him, you get to you get to receive the spirit of life and there is no other death. There may be a physical passing of this body, but you keep on going. I mean, it just keeps on keeping on. I think one of the brightest Christian minds of our generation is a guy named Dallas Willard. You're going to hear me quote something from him again. He kind of had this perspective. He said, you know, one thought of it is, you know, I'm not so sure that a Christian that is walking with God ever. He might be the last person to know that he passes away. Now, imagine that like. Like there's this con- a person who is walking in the spirit. There's this conscious reality of, of them just walking with the spirit that may it may take some time before they look back. and say, Oh, yeah, my body's not here anymore. Now, let's just chew on that for a minute. It sounds kind of crazy. A lot of spiritual things do. Scripture addresses that unless you have the spirit of God, the things that we talk about spiritually make no sense to you. You should unless you have the spirit of God come the second person come and possess your life. The things that we talk about spiritually will not make sense and should not make sense to you because they are spiritually discerned. It's Corinthians chapter two. So we have this second person, we have this dual nature and there is this conflict that becomes evident in our life. Because the spirit that is alive within us now is opposed to the self that has been running our life. And the switchboard in the headquarters that has been in charge now has a new boss that's come onto the scene and says, what's it going to be? You see, this Christian life that I was just talking about is, is far different than the gospel that I heard as a kid where it's all about so that when you die physically, you can go to heaven one day. No, this death that comes is a death and a dying off of this self that has been running and governing your life because there is a new boss at the headquarters who wants to run and guard your life. And this this person that we see in the spirit of God comes and he, and he brings something completely different. I love how how John Piper, I read this article last night as I was just kind of perusing, looking at different stuff. I love, love how, how John Piper says this. He says, when the old 
this old self, this, this uh, self that is of, of sinful nature, when the old denied self looks at opposition, shame, suffering, and death, Jesus calls for, it says, no, I, I don't want that. That old self loves human approval, honor, comfort, and life more than it loves Jesus. But the new, denying self says the old world loving, to the old world loving self, you are not in charge any longer. I love Jesus more than human approval, honor, comfort, and life. There is more to gain in following Jesus, even with suffering, than there is in walking away from him, even with 10,000 earthly benefits. That's the way the new self talks. This new self that's inside of you has come to take over. And where we want to have one hand in one camp and hold on to all the values and Benefits and securities and, and resources and fun of this life. And those are the things trying to still have a say in our life. Well, the Lord loves us too much to just leave us in that place. It may be fun for a moment, but it absolutely will not satisfy. The opportunity is, will you be able to come to that Full realization before you're actually on your physical deathbed. And that's the opportunity that we have before us this morning. That once again, just like in a moment of your conversion, that you get to wrestle with, which life am I choosing? Is it the nature that I have been born into and gotten so accustomed to? That the way in which I imagine things and the way in which I perceive things and the way in which I judge what is good and evil, the way that is so natural to me is the way that I just know how to live. Or is there something more that God is inviting me to? Something more, a spiritual life that can come and rule and reign and take over and fully possess my thoughts, fully possess my actions, fully possess my heart, fully lead and guide my life. To the point that there's a sanctifying work that's done and I'm hardly even considering that old self again. This this dueling nature is mentioned multiple times from different people over the centuries. Some call it an inner life and an outer life. The outer life being, you know, the the way we live and the, the things that we have and the possessions. But this inner life being the spiritual life. Uh, some call it a, a life of the, you know, as we see in Scripture, an old self and a new self. Some say with, it's this sinful life and a righteous life. Paul talks about it as, as the flesh as opposed to the spirit. We look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, you know, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. Let me just read it. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And so long as we are looking and and allowing the sinful nature to continue to reign and dominate or have a seat at the helm of our life, then there is a conflict and there is a stress and there is a pressure that we are under. But what did Jesus say? Came that you might have life in abundance. Because when the Spirit fully takes over, there is a peace and there is a joy that transcends understanding. There is a life to be had beyond what we can understand and measure 
There are things that we get to experience that we never could experience because they're supernatural. Who would want to worship a God that's natural? I mean, if my God's not supernatural, then I don't, I'm not ready to follow. Why would I if Jesus was just a man? Why would I if Jesus physically died and is not alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father? Like, if the resurrection is not real, then why are we here? We're, we're crazy to sit here and sing songs to someone who's just dirt in the ground. But I've got good news. Jesus is alive. And if you've received him, then his spirit is alive within you. So the big question is, okay, well, now how? How do I follow Jesus into the spiritual life? And he addresses in this passage, well, how is daily? You take up your cross. Now, it's fascinating to me if you think about it. The cross language to us is natural because we come to a church and we see a cross and we know what the cross represents is this incredible icon of the Christian faith that Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins that we could have this eternal life that we're talking about now. And that eternal life is not when we, in case I left this out, that eternal life is not when we die physically waiting off for us someplace. That, that is true, but that eternal life is now. We get to begin living our eternal life now. Dallas Willard makes this quote. He says, the most important thing, he said, in the, in, in the conversation with, um, with John Ortberg, you're going to hear more about that in a second. He makes this, this statement to John, and they're sitting together. He says, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. That's what, will, that's what you will be for eternity. Now, I'm going to let you think about that. A lot of Dallas statements you have to stop and think about. The most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. That's who you will be for eternity. Let me ask you, who are you becoming? John, in his book, writing and reflection of a lot of his time with Dallas uh, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read in the Christian faith. Um, it's new out. It's uh, called Soul Keeping. As John is working through this statement that Dallas made to him, he writes, When I thought about how my life was going, I always thought about my outer world. In the world of reputation and appearance, it consists of how much I have and what people think. It is visible and obvious. In the outer world, it's easy to keep score. I always thought that improving the circumstances of my outer world is what makes me feel happy inside. The statement by Dallas was an invitation to another world. That world's a world you and I are invited to live in. And part of the question for you today is how are you doing in following Jesus and how to live in that other world? How do you do that? I think there are a number of different ways that, that Jesus is inviting. There are a number of different things that, that the cross of Christ leads us to. You see, unfortunately, I think a, a lot of us in, in kind of the Western face may be led to this place of, of having churches full of believers. 
in Jesus Christ. Full of believers who could hear the message of the gospel that Jesus, the Son of God, came born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, and is resurrected and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that our sins are able to be atoned for on his, by his death and we can have life in eternity when we die. You see, a lot of us can believe that and understand that cognitively, but are all of us going to follow are our church full of believers or, is, or are you going to be a people that choose to be followers? Because if we're going to be a people that step into the life of abundance, then we have to be a church and we have to be a people that are building up and supporting and being a family to be followers of this of this Jesus. He says, if you want to come and follow me, then do so by daily dying to yourself, by taking up your cross. Again, that cross, I didn't finish unpacking that thought, that cross that Jesus is speaking to, to us as an icon, but to the disciples in that day, they knew what it meant because that's where criminals go to be tortured and to die and to be put to shame. And so Jesus uses this language and they're like, what the heck is he talking about? The cross. Is he talking about the cross like where, where those criminals are taken? Like, what does he mean by cross? And but. As he backs it, he's like, yes, I'm going to carry this cross. And if you're going to be my fault, you're going to carry a cross and you're going to die to self because that nature that you that was te- that Eve was tempted to and that you've been given into and that is, is running your life has got to go because I'm giving you a spirit of life and they cannot coincide or they won't coincide without an enormous tension. But if you let the spirit of life come and live inside of you, then you will move far beyond believing And you will know me. And this term in the Greek, gnosis, is an experiential knowledge. It is this encounter with, like experience, like you know of Alaska, but we're not in Alaska. If we were in Alaska, we could say we know Alaska because we're sitting in Alaska, right? Well, we know of Alaska. If you've been to Alaska, you have an experiential knowledge of Alaska. I hadn't been to Alaska. I don't have a Greek term gnosis of Alaska, but I believe it exists. The Lord does not desire for you to believe that he exists. The Lord has no intention for your faith to be built on the belief that Jesus exists in heaven. That foundation that Jesus does exist in heaven is an experiential opportunity for you to know because the spirit of his that rose him from the dead has been given to us and he lives, comes and lives inside of us. How are we doing in letting him be at the helm? This is the invitation that we wake up to every morning. This is the opportunity that we that we have to be followers. So how how do we take this step to be different? How do we take this step to to be able to follow him? How do we take this step in in experience in the life? You know, what comes in this life? You know, crazy things come when the spirit becomes alive in us. Some people say they're weird. They're like Pat, you know, I'm just kidding. Some things might look different because, well, they're not natural. They're supernatural. It doesn't have to be weird. Not everything has to be weird. Sometimes the Lord will offend the mind in order to test the heart. And if you're not okay with the Lord offending your mind, well, then you're wrestling with self. And it's an opportunity to surrender. It's an opportunity to pick up the cross again. It's an opportunity to take a step down this journey that we're on together. God has something more in store for you and for me. How do we follow him? We deny ourselves. 
You want to get a little bit more specific? Then I think we have to have a really honest conversation with ourselves. I recently had a conversation with somebody in my office, and I challenged them to go home and, and, and stare at themselves in the mirror. It sounds weird. Stare at themselves in the mirror and look themselves in the eye. Invite themselves to the life that God's calling them to. Have you ever had a moment like that? That you look into your own soul and say, where are we going? It's time to pull up the bootstraps and make a change. And that's what this morning's about for you and for me. Ingrid and I put a piece of tape down on the carpet this morning. Might sound a little cheesy. Might be silly. I don't care. That represents a line that I would say Jesus is inviting you to cross today. I remember the moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ in that Baptist church in Columbus, Georgia. I remember having this huge lump in my throat as a kid. There was something weighty, something serious going on in the moment. And it took a lot of strength for me to walk down and pray with that minister at the front pew and confess that I'm a sinner and I want to give my life to Jesus. It was a hard thing to do. I hope you have a lump in your throat right now. Not because I want you to be uncomfortable, but because I'm inviting you to welcome the spirit of life to push back, to come in, to refresh and renew, and to push out that spirit of self that wants to hold on to the things of this life that wants to hold on to the comforts, wants to hold on to the vision, wants to hold on to the retirement, wants to hold on to the, uh, the, the, the places that you think life's about and the things that you work so hard for, all those things are but a breath. They're going to pass away. But to engage and to daily invite the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ, to take over and consume and lead his life. Paul says, again, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Spirit of Christ who lives in me. That's the invitation that we have. I hope that you walk out of here and you go home, and maybe not literally, but at least figuratively, maybe literally you do this. You put a piece of tape down on the carpet on the edge of your bed, that when you get up every morning, you have to cross the line. There'll be people getting sanctified on the way to the bathroom when you wake up in the morning. That you've got to cross the line and say, today I'm choosing it again. I'm going to die. I'm not letting self. I'm going to learn all the ways that self has been at the helm and all the thoughts that self tries to think. And I'm going to become quickly aware of and invite the spirit to convict me and lead me to not thinking that way anymore. Because I've got the mind of Christ that is available to me. And his spirit is alive within me. And he wants to guard and counsel and lead me. Jesus said, I simply do what I see my father doing and say what my hear my Father's thing. Jesus talking about this codependent life that he had with the Father. Just look at John chapter 5, John chapter 14, John chapter 16. When Jesus just goes off about talking about this codependency that he has with the Father. And I'm going to send you the Spirit in John 14 and chapter 16. I'm going to send you the Spirit. And there's a codependency that the Spirit has with me. And that Spirit's going to live within you. And you get to live in the Trinity just as we do. The Trinity live in a codependence with one another. And they live in this glory. And they live in this all and they live in this joy and they live in this peace and they live in this abundance because there is nothing that can threaten them. There is no death that can prevail against them. There is a freedom to experience only life because death cannot prevail in God's presence. 
It has already been paid for. The victory has been won. And we get to get brought into that glory. And we get to experience a freedom from fear, a freedom from anxiety, a freedom from the worries and concerns and the things that otherwise upset this self because it got uncomfortable because we have a peace in an ever-loving God who loved us so much that he came to die so that we didn't have to experience but one death. And that death was a choice to cross that line. Every day, you get to make that choice. Again, fresh and new. I hope you get a lump in your throat when you wake up in the morning. Mm. Lord, show me how I'm choosing self. Because I want to have a gnosis of you. I don't want to have thoughts of you. I don't want to look at the Bible and say, I don't need to, need to read that today. I already know what it says. I've read it ten times. Don't need to look at that again. Because that's what self wants to say. God has something more. We need to be able to look ourselves. You want to how? Maybe to take the next step. You're going to have to look yourself and have an honest conversation. What am I holding on to? You need to be able to draw lines in the sand for yourself every day. Show me how I can take up that cross and choose life. You need to be able to dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Ask him questions. Ask him to show you what's something I'm holding on to. That self doesn't want to let go of. Because it will only steal, kill, and destroy. It may seem like, and you may be convinced in your mind, that it would be a good thing to hold on to. But the enemy only speaks lies. Jesus says it's his native tongue. And it will be enticing. It may even be enjoyable in the moment. But it will not be life-giving. It will lead to dissatisfaction and a frustration and a turmoil in your life. But there is another way. There is a spiritual life that we are led into and invited to. Where are you on the journey? Maybe you're brand new. Maybe you haven't yet received the Spirit into your life. You can cross that line and accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Give yourself to Him and let Him fill you with His Spirit. That can happen this morning. Where are you in your journey? You may have, you may have received the Spirit 30 years ago. But if you ask the Spirit, what are the things self is still holding on to, He'll show you. Because He has something more in store for you. I'm going to end by just kind of telling you one, one quick story. There's so much more that God has in store for us, even just little fun, simple things that, that He does for us and, and shows us and, and reveals us. We have a, a friend in the, in the congregation who, you know, has given her life to Jesus Christ and she's on the journey. And excited to take steps. She went on the trip to, to California um, earlier this summer and went to a conference out there and, and just got challenged of ways to step into a spiritual life and pursue Jesus Christ. Pursue this life that we're talking about. She read a book. Happens to be the book that I'm doing a class on starting this week. And um, she had an experience this week. Um, her name's Laura McNeil. She's the artist who comes and paints uh, often on, on stage. And Matt, her husband, is is at the soundboard this morning. And, and Laura wrote me this text just to be able to kind of retell the story. She said, last week, or this a few days ago, was the McClure spelling bee. Cade, her seventh grade son. Cade was in the bee, representing the seventh grade class. I just finished reading the Sean Bowles book, and I've been making a conscious effort to listen to direction from God and try to, try to take myself out of the equation. Anyway, I woke up the morning with, with the word diffidence on my mind. 
as Cade was getting, getting ready for school, I told him that I thought possibly God had given me a word, diffidence, and it could be one of the words in the spelling bee. And, uh, and of course, I made sure that he knew, he knew how to spell it, just in case. Fast forward, it was round five. And I'm sure you, you can guess what the word was. Diffidence. He looked at me. He looked at me laughing and shaking his head. God is so crazy good. Out of hundreds of words that he could have, he could have had, I love how God showed up in our everyday life. Anyway, the gift of one little word made a distinct impact on our family's life. I mean, what are we missing out on? Do we even know? My invitation to you is to come take communion this morning. But you're going to have to cross a line. And I strongly encourage you not to cross that line unless you're crossing it, saying yes to the life of Jesus Christ and no again to the selfish nature. Because before you, Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you. This is my, this bread represents the body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you come this morning, I hate to imagine if you really bring yourself and leave it on the other side of that tape. I hate to imagine spiritually what gets left on that carpet. Lord, sweep that away. I just come inviting you to maybe there's something so much more God has than what you've experienced in knowing him thus far. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but that you came and you have a plan and a purpose. And you have silly little things like giving us a word that's going to be in the spelling bee to encourage us. If we're encouraged just by getting something that you knew ahead of time and, and then we get to see it fulfilled, just I can't imagine how great heaven's going to be. How great, how great the, the years that lie ahead as we give ourselves to a life in the Spirit and how you just begin to, to blow our mind at how good you are and how you want to move and how you want to encourage us and how you want to lead us away from what the enemy tricks and persuades us as life. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to the life that you called us to. You've paid the price for us to have. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you guys for coming this morning. I'm going. You guys are released if you want to continue to stay, and uh, Aaron's going to continue to play, and we can just kind of sit in a time of prayer and worship. But um, I'm excited for what God has in store for you because this journey, this this opportunity of life that we're called to together, has so much more in store for us as we grow and as we learn to walk in accordance with His Spirit. As we have amazing little things happen, like getting a word or amazing little divine appointments in a grocery store of how the Spirit of God begins to cause things outside of yourself to begin falling into place because He's the God in control of everything and He works things out for your good and and for others' benefit as well, leading them into the life that He's calling them to. So go out as an agent proclaiming the goodness of who He is and grow in His knowledge by encountering His Spirit more and more.